Are you going to do your new hello to everyone, which you just invented yeah, half an hour not? ago? Yeah, why not? Good morning, Planet Freak! Just up with trying out. <laughs> You're listening to Between You and Me, the weekly Marillion podcast. The only Marillion podcast that doesn't feature the lead singer of Marillion. I'm Paul Rose. Some of you might know me as Mr. Biffo. I've got an album out. Go and order it on Bandcamp or, or listen to it on Spotify or iTunes or, or something like that. And what I'm here. What is it called? Oh, it's called Eschatology. Nothing, not scatology, eschatology. Which has a completely different meaning. Yes. Uh, and I'm here with my dear wife, Sanya. Hello. Hello. You've already heard from her. So this is our second week of post-bag stuff because we've got a lot of post Post-bag, post-bag, party time. Excellent. And that's the post-bag jingle that we recorded earlier today. <laughs> just for you. Uh, next week, we are, just to remind you, we're done with post for a while and we're talking about three solo projects by the band which they recorded prior to this strange engine which will probably come the following week don't you think yeah unless we end up talking too much about those three solo albums but i don't think yeah we end up doing a week on each album we're not gonna do that iris Iris really doesn't say that now iris does not need a week yes it does what are you I'm not going to say any more. I know your opinion on it. Uh, okay, well let's just um, let's let's do no don't, <laughs> let's do no more waffle. <laughs> Let us do no more waffle and jump into the first letter. Do let's you, do it. Do you want to do this one? Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, we're also just so you all know we're doing nicknames for everyone again this week. Oh, Is that went down me. Help us so all. well? And apologies once again to. PJ I think to be week. fair oh yeah sorry again I'm still feeling bad um I think to be fair we should give each other nicknames as well all right go on what's yours I don't know you well you've give... I, I the only ones You're that the... spring to mind are the ones that you hate that you had when you were at school oh Sanger okay there we go Sanger or Sanyo or Sony <laughs> take your pick yeah I'm not saying what mine were I hated them. and Sanger as in sandwich not like the Buddhist temple I've never sang out the Australian the slang for sandwich. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yours? Well, you live by a nickname. Yeah, Mr. Biffo. Biffo. There you go. You can all call me Biffo. <laughs> Buffo. I don't want to be called Sanger, by the way. Yeah, don't call her Sanger. No, do. No, come so, on. Our first letter is from a virus. What? Seriously? You can't do that. You cannot. What? You can't do that. I said I'm that. giving everyone nicknames. Okay, that's not a nick that's not a nice nickname. They at least have to be nice. Or Elvis. at least have to be neutral. Elvis. Our first letter is from Elvis. It's from Alvaro, and I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. If you have. If I have. And I'm sorry for calling you a virus, Alvaro. I thought you were gonna cut that bit out. You cannot keep that in. Why? That's not nice. That's a horrible thing to say, even as a nickname. I don't think he's literally a virus. Well, yeah, I know, but would you like me to call you Pooall? Because your name starts with P and it kind of could be Pooall. I'm man enough to take it. All Poo. Poo 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 Po
That's I, I, not nice, is it? You I've, don't like I've got, that, I've do got you? Thick skin. You, don't, you do not like that. Sticks and stones. I can take it, bruv. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, you say that now. Go on, All read right. the letter. All right. So our first letter is from Alvaro, and he says, Hello, Paul and Sanya. You don't need to leave. Oh. Huh? You don't need to say hello to us every time. Let's just take that as a oh, Okay. Well, no. You're throwing me <laughs> off, Paul. Sanger. <laughs> Sanger's better than Paul. Uh, okay. Congrats, congrats for the tremendous... Here we go. I already can't <laughs> oh, read. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. These post-bag episodes Please. have become a, a car crash. I need elocution lessons. I hope that I get through all the letters this week. It's not got off to a good start. It's off it? to a horrible start. I, this is the seriously, first letter, Seriously, if I can't Sanya. do this, you, I'm just not going to read any letters because I don't trust myself. Do you want me to just do this first one while you yeah. calm down? Yeah. Okay, Alvaro, I'm reading your letter because Sanya is incapable. No, just please cut everything. <laughs> You're clapping like everything. a seal. <laughs> Before, Are you excited? Everything before this point, Can't delete believe. and edit out. Do you remember when this used to be a Meridian podcast? Yeah. Now it's the Sanya Laugh and Clap show. <laughs> Congrats for the tremendous and really enjoyable podcast that you lead. We are the leaders. We are the letter readers. He didn't write that. I wrote that. I sang that. I am looking forward to every new episode week after week. Meridian has been, and I guess will be, the band of my life. Like many other fans, I fell into Meridian after my brother travelled from Madrid, Spain to the UK for a summer course and brought back an old cassette with Misplaced Childhood on it, just published, and told me to listen. I was hooked. I even started playing keyboards by watching Mark Kelly on the recital of the script, Lorelei and Goldfinger Chippenham video. Clutching was a great experience, buying the vinyl after falling in love with the band. It was my favourite album for many years until recently when Misplaced took this position. I was even lucky to get to see Fish play it in its entirety. I'm also a huge H fan. Actually, my first band concert was on the Seasons Tour in the Theatre in Madrid. During these years, there were ups and downs with the band, especially with the late 90s, where I did not like the direction they were facing. There were always gems in every work. I was lucky to interview the band on several occasions. The Brave Tour, Radiation Tour, Marbles, and also Fish, Sunsets on Empire, and Ying and Yang. So that was a dream come true for a diehard fan like me. With regards to Afraid of Sunlight, I know this is a record that many fans and even the band themselves love, and I think it has some good tracks on it. My favourites are Afraid of Sunlight. The piano vocal version is really great. I would agree with you, Alvaro. Out of This World, a lot of drama in this track. Yes, it definitely has some drama. Beyond You, looking forward to your explanation, where you've had it now, and along with some other explanations from other people. And King, great track for a concert. Other tracks, such as Gaspacho and Beautiful, are good, but not excellent in my view. I expect more from my favourite band. Ooh, ouch. Ooh, for Beautiful. Mm. And finally, Afraid of Sunrise or Cannibal Surf Babe are not for me. Which is As a enough. few people have said that. Several yeah. people have said that. I was really shocked mm. when the CD came out in 95, especially with this track that has so much controversy with the fans, and I'm one of those who does not like it. Maybe because I'm not a Beach Boys fan, and Afraid of Sunrise is a boring track. Oh, poor Afraid of Sunrise. Nothing really attracts me. Again, thanks for your time and comments. It's really good for my walk after working all day at the office. And Alvaro also sent us a a YouTube link to, which I'll I'll try and share on our Twitter of him playing a medley of Fisher songs, which is really rather lovely. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yes. 
Oh, thank you, Alvaro. Even though I love beautiful and afraid of sunrise. Afraid of sunrise. Oh, Alvaro did say he thinks beautiful is a good track, but not excellent. Good, but, um, but not excellent. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, I agree with him. It's going to be interesting when we get to that. The, the well, the era that we're about to start talking about, the second half of the nineties, and mm. I'll be re- I'm going to be really interested to see the letters we get. Yeah. On. Not so much this strange engine, which I think is generally considered a decent album, but the lights of radiation and meridian.com and anarachnophobia, which they're more, hmm, how should we say, more polarizing as albums. In fact, uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo, M R B I W F O, we've got a bonus episode of uh, Beampod on there or about to go out, which in which we discuss the latest Meridian Christmas poll. And we talk a bit about those albums on there, don't we? And how there just are reasons. Just a tiny bit, just a tiny too bit. Much. Reasons why they might be considered polarising and perhaps mm. placed low in an album Polarising. But polarising makes it seem like there's there are those who super super love there them are by all accounts and those who super super dislike them i bet i bet you there are people for whom radiation and meridian.com are their favorite albums if any of you are listening please write to us because i'd love to know why you think that <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah wow that's me wow Okay, so our next letter is from Brian from the USA. Brian in the USA. Oh, perfect. Brian in the USA. <laughs> perfect. Oh, you like that one? I like that one. I'm allowed to one. say that for him. Yeah, I? that's a cool nickname. I want a nickname like that. It's more a musical nickname. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, hmm. I'll sing your nickname. Would you like a sang? Uh, yes, I would. Would you like it now? Yes, if I could. Brian says I apologise ahead of time for the long email thank you so much for your podcast I happened upon mention of it in an article in Prog magazine oh wow Brian just got caught up with all of them as of today on the 12th of March 2021 is it a recent thing I mean I know it was maybe it was back when Marillion, maybe it's the one that we're aware of. Yeah. But I'd love to know if they mentioned be. us any other times. Prog Magazine. Will you read Prog Magazine? Yeah, I know. But that's why I wonder if I've missed it. Oh, you uh. need to read more astutely. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for <laughs> automatically to... assuming I've missed it. <laughs> you need to go... for, for not reading astutely. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, um... He's caught up with all the episodes so far and says, it has allowed me to reconnect with the music that has helped make me a big part of who I am. If you've already discussed this topic and I somehow missed it, forgive me, but I want to share my perspective of what it's like being a Marillion fan in the US for what it's worth. We did have someone last week, didn't we, mention being a... a Feeling isolated as a Marillion fan. Yeah. But I'm fascinated to hear these perspectives because same I think I think even though we've all got our own personal relationship with the band mine is certainly I there are universalities with other UK based Meridian fans that I share Mm. in terms of my experience so hearing about how other people from around the world and 
it, it astounds me as well how far this podcast reaches. <laughs> so yeah, I know. realised it. Marillion is really a global family. Yeah. Um, so I love hearing about it. So yes, Brian, take it away. Okay, so a bit of background. I live in the central US in a city called St. Louis. Oh, meet me in St. Louis. And have lived in a few cities around here. St. Louis, Chicago. How do you say? Louisville or Louisville? And a small college town called Bloomington all of my life. I'm Paul's age. I learnt piano a year or two before Misplaced Childhood arrived and was a keyboardist in a cover band in college in the 80s and 90s. Late 80s and early 90s. I like all kinds of music but gravitate towards keyboard music such as Oh my God, I don't know how to... I never... I always get this wrong. Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. I always say Depeche Mode. And <laughs> don't. Paul laughs. That was like a fingers... Down, down a blackboard. Down a blackboard. Well, I, I don't know how to say it. <clears throat> Erasure? Is that how you say it? Erasure. Is it Erasure? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> it's Erasure. Oh, okay. Well, I hope you all got a good laugh out of that. Um, Pet Shop Boys, New Order, The Cure, etc. I initially liked and listened to prog, any music really, simply for the keyboards. Like a true child of the 80s, I was obsessed with the instrument. Marillion was my first prog band, but I enjoyed Older Genesis and Keith Emerson shortly after. So, my Marillion journey is almost identical to Paul's. The only difference is that instead of hearing the song Kaylee on the radio, I saw the Kaylee video on MTV in 1985 and was awed by Mark's rack of keyboards. That he said off keyboards. Oh, not just rack. That would mean something. Mm-hmm. And despite the literal video, liked the catchy song enough to check out the album. <clears throat> um, the rest of my journey is identical to discussions you've already had. Loved Misplaced, went back to listen to the old stuff. Continued on with the new stuff. Clutching is still my favourite Fisher album and Seasons is my favourite of theirs on a purely musical level. Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. No. Okay. Since Holidays in Eden, I have liked some material, disliked some and loved some. My diehard Marillion is my life fandom ceased with Brave. As for the first time, there were some songs that I didn't love even after a few listens. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It did. Brian's one of the people that we were talking about that left after break. Yeah. It happened, didn't it? You've discussed them on your podcast. After Brave, I had also become more of an adult with adult responsibilities and could no longer sit in my room for hours being swept away by anthemic chord changes, lush guitar sounds, and soaring melodies that make you want to throw your arms in the air in Kubrickian glee. In other words, I was no longer able to make music the center of my existence. I, I, do you know what? This is some, I'm just gonna step in here. This is something I've appreciated from doing the podcast because yeah, as a teenager, I'd listen to music all the time. And I, really hadn't as much in recent years so having the excuse to actually pay attention to albums it's um yeah it's i've got no way to finish that sentence it's been good <laughs> it is good yeah it is good it's, it is smooth. yeah 
it's good to have an excuse to actually go, no, I'm going to properly listen to this album. Yeah. Mm. I, I have nothing to add to that. Yes, it is. Yeah, but you've always continued listening to music yeah I, listen to, I do listen to less music these days than i used to and that's mm. i used to be able to have not just be be able to have i used to have to have music on when i was working mm. but weirdly as i've got older i find it distracting mm. particularly music with words instrumental stuff less so but music with words i find really distracting yeah and if it is music it has to be really unobtrusive music uh, really unobtrusive instrumental. Mm. And as, you know, you and I, we don't have a car full time these days. That's the thing. We don't listen to it We would always have it on in the car. Yeah. And we haven't either got a car and even when we've hired a car or something, we don't go anywhere during yes. a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so, that's another reason why. Yeah, yeah. We haven't. But yeah, so it's good. It's been good having a podcast to be able to listen to music properly. Um, okay, so Brian continues. My fish fandom pretty much ended with Internal Exile, as I have found very few of his songs since then to have much substance for me. Wow. Ouch. Yeah. That is interesting, considering fish was such a deep lyricist mm. when he was with Marillion. I'm going to say I'm going to say it like that because I'm really unfamiliar with his solo stuff. But yeah, at least when I he know was what Marillion, you, I What you've heard you haven't as, loved have you? Yeah, not yeah. And I yeah, I found his solo album patchy. So, yeah, wow. Um his lyrics became too literal for me and he seemed to run out of references and metaphors if that makes any sense. And the music wasn't strong enough for me to overcome those lyrical changes until Welchmertz, that is, which I'm surprised by how much I like and connect with. Welchmertz, which is, is yeah, yeah, what you said it's as well. A really it's a great good album. album. It's Even really I listened good. to Welchmertz and didn't hate it. <laughs> wow. No, okay, that's that damning it with faint praise, but no, I okay, I enjoy. <sighs> Oh, wow, she can't even get the word enjoy. <laughs> I don't want to be fake and say I loved it. I didn't love it, but I didn't dislike it yes i liked it. that's fair enough yeah i liked it i think for me it's uh i don't know i mean we have discussed it previously but i do i i think there's some absolutely cracking moments on welsh merts i think that album though and to a lesser degree the one before it feast of consequences and i get this is the direction he wants to go in terms of he wants to be more of a storyteller with his lyrics, mm. but it does sometimes mean that the music serves the the words rather than them being yes. in sync. Whereas when he was with Marillion, the music was just as important as the lyrics. Yeah. But then I'm finding it interesting that Brian says that his lyrics became. I find it sad if I'm honest. Mm. I feel sad. I know why. I do know what lyri- he means. His lyrics became too literal and. He seemed to run out of references and metaphors. It's fish. He was like king of metaphors. I think he he. There've been times in his solo career where I still think he's written some amazing lyrics throughout his solo career, even when they haven't. Perhaps the lyrics have been attached to musically really strong pieces, Mm. but. They, it, it, I'm trying to. I'm struggling to find the words because I, I, there aren't any examples that spring to mind. But 
there have been points with some of the lyrics where I felt he was reaching a bit with them, where he was almost trying a bit too hard to be wordy. Are you talking about in his... Solo career. Yeah. And then there have been other times where I felt perhaps they were simpler than I would expect from him. Mm. Um, and sometimes there have been songs where they seem to be based around a phrase or a word that would be good to chant live. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, Which, that's, that works. It's valid, well. you that know. That works. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I don't want to say anything too damning, which is why I'm slightly tiptoeing around the subject. Okay, because let's I, move you on know, then. As you know, I admire fish hugely. Yes. And, um Yes. Oh, yeah, and I'm saying this, I haven't listened to his solo albums. No. I have listened to some of them, but not in depth. So I'm not giving an informed opinion. Or I think, I'm I, just guessing. I think there is... Uh, there may be, when we get to the, the end of the albums, Marillion albums, there may be some worth in looking at those lyrics from his solo career. I, mm. I've never really delved into them. Uh, and in the way that with his his career with the band how it clearly tells a story over the course of four albums Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see how that story developed and whether it 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 is reflected in his lyrics and whether it changed yeah Mm. i think that as an exercise i would be interested to do that maybe yeah yeah because i do admire him as a lyricist yeah me too um and yeah there's some great words on welshman's Okay, so about being a fan in the US. Burn in the USA! I found out early in my Marillion journey that in the US there is no such thing and never has been such a thing as a casual Marillion fan. Unlike in the UK, there was no press or radio airplay for Marillion. All we had were the albums, the Kaylee video, an occasional import CD single or a copy of Kerrang! from an import music store. And that's about it. They opened for Rush a couple of times, I believe. And if you happen to see them, it was by accident. No internet, no way to get news, nothing. I had heard of the web fan club, but didn't know how to get access from over here. To this day, after 35 years, I'm still the only person I know who has even heard of Marillion. Wow, we need to hook him up with a guy from last week. Yeah. Start a Marillion Lonely Hearts club. U.S. Marillion fans, literally the only one. And I talk about music with almost everyone I meet. It's the great connector. Don't get me wrong. I saw Marillion in sold out bar club venues in the central U.S. on the season's end, Holidays in Eden and This Strange Engine tours. So I know that they had enough fans to fill a 1000 seat club. But no one I have personally known has ever heard of them. In other words, because of the lack of radio play, touring etc there were no casual marillion fans you were either all in like i was or you were my girlfriend <laughs> or my classmates or some other innocent victim you knew someone who liked marillion and if we had just met and were going to get to know each other i would ask you to listen to it in order to get me nice <laughs> <laughs> just like paul yeah Um, It's funny, but in the US, even without the press and the internet and everything else, I still knew that being a Marillion fan was extremely uncool. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Wow. Um, Ironically, the fact that I couldn't share the music with anyone made it all the more special to me. 
and all the more mine. My first trip to London in 1986 was to my family's incessant dismay, riddled with stops at every single record store I saw, the names of which I can't remember. One store was next to Wimpy's Burgers in Piccadilly, maybe? That might have been uh, Tower Records. That's where you used to go there, didn't you? Yeah. I think I've heard you speak about Oh, yeah, them. yeah, after, yeah, night On, out. After nights out, yeah. Because the... There was a basement level in Tower Records, um, just full of CDs, and it the exit mm. went straight to Piccadilly Circus Tube Station. Oh, perfect! <laughs> so you'd go in, go down, and yeah. then get the train home. Yeah, with loads and loads of CDs that were like three for ten pounds. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, and then just the next day, just binge listen to them. Oh. Um, the amount of joy I had at finding a Marillion or Howard Jones 12-inch with a hitherto unknown to me B-side was unparalleled. I flew home with several 7- and 12-inch singles and I still have them. I have always been a big reader and Fisher's literary references fed me through throughout high school. I was lucky enough to have a high school English teacher who was my Fraser Marshall mm. and would help me interpret many of Fisher's references. Show me another 17-year-old breathing sighs of relief at finding out what Brixton chess could possibly mean. Ah. However, it took 20 years and the internet for me to discover what Mogadons were. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like you, I had quite an intense connection with Fish and still do when listening to Fish Era Marillion. Thank you again for all that you're doing and sharing with us. Paul, your take on all things Marillion is uncannily similar to mine and Sanya's newbie often literary poetic take on things gives me a much needed outsider perspective and allows me to appreciate or depreciate mm -hmm. as the case may be things in a new way having lived my Marillion life in the US alone for the last 32 years it's been nice to make a connection after all this time from Brian in St. Louis or St. Louis how do you say it? St. Louis St. Louis Meet me in St. Louis with Kaylee and Lavender being as big as they were, I assume that there were many casual Marillion fans in their heyday. The concert footage at the time is proof of that. My question is whether you think that there are still casual Marillion fans in the UK. Well, that's a good question. I was going to talk about this, funny enough, off off the back of his uh, letter and, and how Brian says, you're all in as a Marillion fan. Yeah. Uh, and I am going to talk about it after the next one that I read out, which isn't about Afraid of Sunlight, but then neither was Brian's, was it? No. <laughs> no. So that's good. So I'm going to read something out that I received on Twitter and then address the fact of why I think it might be why Meridian fans are so passionate. Okay. I received a message on Twitter from someone who wants to remain anonymous who is a recent Marillion convert, shall we say, who had been listening to the podcast. And so I received this next message on Twitter from someone who wants to remain anonymous because I asked, do you mind if I share this? Because I thought it was a really interesting take on Brave from somebody who is relatively new to the band. And they say, I've, I've been thinking about Brave for a few days and I had a thought which I wanted to share. Have you ever considered Brave from an autistic perspective? 
Lyrics like, you drink it in and marvel at it all, but you never really figure it out. You get used to it. And I was never any good at it. I was terrified most of the time. I never got over it. I got used to it. Felt instantly relatable to me as an autistic person. The fact the album is harder for many people to get into also links into this. Most people aren't autistic. Their brains literally work differently. And the constant flowing, hard nature of the album fits far more with the way I think than other Marilli albums thus far. Lyrics like, what a brave, brave girl never lied before, such a plain deceit, also struck me upon listening. I and plenty of other autistic people don't do lying, or we learn it as a coping mechanism. It doesn't come innately like it does for many newer typical people. I know the lyrics have deeper meaning, but on a surface level, it struck me immediately. Aside from these points, there are lots and lots of little bits that give me autism vibes, but I don't want to bother you with an even longer message than I already am. It just struck me immediately and after thinking about it for longer, it stayed with me. You mentioned your kid is autistic. It, yep, I do indeed. I have an autistic son. And I know you're a big fan of Asperger's of Us. Very funny comedy troupe uh, who you can check out on Netflix. So I thought you might find some interest in this interpretation of the album. When I re-listened with an autistic framework of interpretation, it really, really fit in my mind. So... Uh, I thought that was fascinating. It, it sort of ties in partly with uh, what we talked about recently in, in regard to Beyond You and how yes. we've all, lots of us seem to have interpreted that song slightly differently depending on our own life experiences, I mm. guess. And that got me thinking about why some of us are so passionate about Meridian, as Brian talked about in his letter. Mm-hmm. And how, why songs in particular can mean so much to us. And that's because we we can imprint ourselves upon songs, even if we've not written them. You know, we may not have written those words, but there's something about the power of music that makes it intensely personal. Because mm. the music can kind of bypass that, left brain side of you yeah and go straight to your feeling side and then so it's already hooks you in that way and then if you can relate to the lyrics in a personal way it does make it a more intimate relationship yeah yeah and although i don't i can see absolutely where they're coming from in terms of that autistic perspective. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I I, I would have loved to have heard more yeah. examples. Uh, but what really fascinated me was how someone who isn't neurotypical can mm. have such a different take on it to how we did. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that just got me thinking about it. And then I started thinking about, well, why do I feel... Even when, you know, I may jokingly call songs the steamer or, you know, make fun of certain songs that I don't love. I'm so prepared to defend Marillion to the death, you know, if someone attacks the band. Uh, Because they mean so much to me. And then I was sort of thinking again, it ties into Briar's letter about, well, yeah, because... Even though I have a community of Meridian friends, yeah, we have lots of Meridian friends. Over the years, I have 
as a consequence of sort of feeling slightly isolated, you know, and thinking like, I'm, am I the only person who likes this band? Because yes, I've had friends along the way who may have been fans, but who have dropped away from being fans of the band, mm. um, leaving me the sort of last sort of, you know, holder of the torch. <laughs> Um, whereas, you know, that changed slightly when Marbles came out and I kind of, a whole new kind of friendship group kind of opened up. All of us sort of, you know, like-minded Meridian lovers. Not lovers, we weren't lovers. Uh, never made love to my friend Anthony or Shogs. Yet. <laughs> Who knows what might happen at the next Meridian weekend. Um... <laughs> Mark, Mark would be up for it though, wouldn't he? <laughs> Mark Paley would be well up for it. Anyway, I digress. Um, I've totally thrown myself now. Uh, yeah, I just think I just think all of that sort of fed into, you know, sort because of, we sometimes in Meridian fans you're under siege by the mainstream mm-hmm. for liking Meridian, and when you feel kind of attacked, that your defences go up and rather than being open to perhaps what, yeah, probably because the attacks have always been so unfair because they come from an ill-educated place, people who haven't necessarily got experience of Meridian. They feel like unfair attacks. So consequently you push back and it makes you more, yeah, it's like extremism, isn't it? You double down on the thing you believe in. Mm. I've certainly doubled down over the years on believing in Meridian. I don't know. There's just a ramble of thoughts. Yeah, so did... Let me just check. Did Brian ask if there are... I can't remember. Did we answer the question? Yeah, are there still are casual there still Meridian casual fans? casual fans? Uh, there the must UK? be. There must be. But I only know hardcore Meridian mm. fans. I've got friends who... My friend John... Yes. You know, I would regard him as a casual Marillion fan. You know, he's not a casual Shaking Stevens or Status Quo fan, mm. but he is a casual Marillion fan. He doesn't necessarily go and see them live, but he will get the albums. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, maybe a few of your friends. Well, Seb and James, yeah, they, maybe. Well, they used to go to Marillion gigs, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, but less And they so. don't hate them, so no. I guess they'd be classed as casual. Yeah. But on the whole, I think it's do or die if you're a Meridian fan. (laughs) That's the sense I get. Meridian have got... There's no halfway. Got an incredibly passionate fan base, shall we say. They do, they do. Rightly so. happy to read the next letter out from my future lover Mark (laughs) Dimples Paling as he says new podcast was good stop this is by the way him being facetious because we said said to to keep it brief. brief so new podcast was good stop 
Track AOS was the song. Which one, Mark? There's two on there with the initials AOS. God's sakes. Track AOS was the song recommended to me as my first taste review. Should give H era another go. This track kind of sums up what Marillion are all about, all about now. Stop. I liked it enough to give other tracks on AOS a try. Gazpacho and Cannibal, too weird. Beautiful was beautiful. Sunrise was bland. So, Why okay. does everyone hate Sunrise? Out of this world, okay, but wishy-washy. Wow. Beyond You, I was unsure about. King was the killer track for me. Stop. Beautiful, <gasps> afraid Wait, of- wait, wait. What? He actually said Out of This World was okay, but a bit wishy-washy. And let me just, let me just, you just want to enjoy in that. the glory of Come agreeing. on, it's not that bad, everyone. Bloody hell. <laughs> he did say King was the killer track. Anyway, Beautiful, Afraid Of and King were the tracks that led me into H-Era Meridian. That, a strange coincidence on Strange Engine, stop. I don't know what you mean there, Mark. Love all the tracks now, but Sunrise is a bit bland for me. Stop. Remaster bonus disc, though, is the weakest of all the remasters. Stop. I wish you would. Stop. Hmm. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Never write to us in that way again, Mark. Oh, you're such a lovely friend. <laughs> he knows I love him. He knows I do. That's that's why I can. That's why I can abuse him. <laughs> uh, it's not much to say, really, is it? That's just Mark's thoughts. Sorry, yeah. Dim- Dimple's thoughts. Dimple's thoughts. Uh, do you want to read the next one from? I shall. The next one is from Matthew Revel. Minstrel. Who minstrel? Revels, Why? minstrels. If you're in the UK, oh. minstrels and revels are two oh. different but similar even, types of chocolate. Even I don't know that. I, do revels exist anymore yeah. in the UK? I've only heard of minstrels. Mi- revels mm. are a type of chocolate. You never heard you of revels? You can buy them still. Yeah. Well, never the irony is, do they have minstrels in there? No, they have galaxy buttons in there. Um, mm. Revels, basically, uh, it's a... a Bag of chocolate shapes, but each one, well, not each one, but you get a mix of flavours in there. So you never know what you're going to get when you dip your hand in, which is fine if you like all the flavours. Wait, hang on. I thought you said it was chocolate. It is chocolate. So what what are the different flavours? There's like coffee. Uh, I've never seen these. Yeah, one with like fond- Where do they fondant sell them? centre. Every sweet shop has Revels. Never seen well, them. I'm buying you a bag of Revels next time I go out. But which, which might be never, well, not never, but which might be who knows when. We're going out later. I'll buy you some revels. Oh, yeah, on the we're way doing back. a dump trip. How exciting. How exciting. A little insight there into our domestic life. <laughs> 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 we go to the dump and buy revels. <laughs> so, party on. We shall see whether you find them a revelation. Oh. <laughs> right. Anyway, Matthew says. Don't know if I'm too late for the AOS post bag. Post bags, more like. Yeah. Um, post ball bags. Paul. I'm, I'm cutting that bit. <laughs> no, keep it, it in. keep it in. No, no. It's funny. It's not really funny. It's like something like a 13 year old boy would say. Matthew says. I was 17 when Afraid of Sunlight came out, and I remember my official thought was. Oh no, they've gone back to Holidays in Eden. I never hated Holidays in Eden, but break, which I'll just interrupt here. Remember I said I thought Afraid of Sunlight was like what Holidays in Eden should have been? Yeah, it's a good observation. Yeah, so I'm agreeing with Matthew. Um, I never hated Holidays in Eden, but Brave felt like my favourite band operating at their peak. 
whereas Holidays in Eden was harder to play in front of my Iron Maiden patched double denim wearing friends. Wow, I bet. I quickly came, though, to develop a deep love for Afraid of Sunlight. Once Cannibal Surf Babe and Beautiful are out of the way, oh, beautiful. Wow, um, poor old Cannibal Surf Babe. I know, I'm really surprised how yeah. many people don't like it. I'm really surprised. I mean, I get that it's very different to their usual sound, mm. but um, yeah, I thought I thought more people would enjoy it. Um, okay, so once Cannibal Surf Babe and Beautiful are out of the way, there's a depth of emotion in, Af- in Afraid of Sunlight that for me isn't matched again until Marbles. The shorter songs focus the melody, the lyrics and the musicianship into dense shots of emotional connection. As for the Michael Hunter remix, I was so glad that he reworked Beyond You. I kind of like the original, but the special edition version just unlocks the song. It's like the original is heard through a bathroom wall and then suddenly in the remix, you're in the room itself. Anyway, thanks for Biampod. There we go. Thank you to... Yes, Matthew. Mark, Matthew, Luke and John. And also to Matthew Ravel. Yes. For his minstrels. (laughs) Grow up, Paul. Next letter. I haven't got a lot to say to that. He he was concise and to the point, which we like. Our next letter is from Mark Gus Honeyborn. Do you want me to explain that joke? Please do, yes. Uh, Back in the 70s, possibly the 80s, possibly the 60s, uh, in one of the UK TV regions, there was a rabbit called Gus Honeybun. Now, it wasn't in my TV region. I used to just get glimpses of Gus Honeybun when I went on a holiday, normally caravan holidays, and you'd put the telly on and Gus Honeybun, I don't know, he's, he always seemed to be on telly. You had different TV regions. We still do. So you got different shows yeah. in different parts of the country yeah. that other people in other parts of the country didn't get. Yeah, sometimes it would wow. be the same, roughly the same schedule. But then no particularly, at, particularly at weekends it would differ. Same channels or different channels? Same channels, but they would be run. For instance, Thames TV Why? was up Thames TV, which you're aware of because they had shows in Australia. Yes, they did. Yeah. They only um, they were they were London based, and then you had no way like Meridian. Uh, God, what were the others? Meridian Central. Um, I don't know how many of these still exist. And then at the weekend, we would have LWT London Weekend Television. How bow, 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 bow. That's the, and that the tune. So even today, if I go to a different part of the country, they have different... Well, it's a bit different today because because of digital. Mm. Uh, no one watches TV anymore. Well, <laughs> perhaps not linear TV as much as, as they used I mean. to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think there are still different TV regions, but it's not... I mean, you know, Scotland, there's BBC Scotland. It's different to mm. the rest of the UK. That I get because it's a... It's a different country within yeah, our country. But yeah, within, but the, within England. Within, yeah. There was one time we on our old TV back in the, I think it was the late 70s, perhaps early 80s, there was a big storm outside. Mm. Um, and it was on, I think, our portable TV, which had an indoor aerial. Uh, and I was watching TV and there was interference because of, I don't know, the storm or something. And the Incredible Hulk came on my TV, like really fuzzily. And I'm like, 
what? This isn't in the TV schedule. It's like so, something uh, from another dimension slipped yeah, through a wormhole. Yeah, it was. And then you look. I look because sometimes the the papers would have the different regions. And yeah, Hulk, the Hulk was on one of the other TV regions. Wow. But I was getting it, and it was like. But I was. I remember then trying to adjust the aerial yeah. to get a clearer picture of the Hulk, and I lost it. I never no. got any more of that episode. Oh. <laughs> it was like the Hulk. <laughs> quick, quick. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, nothing to do with Marillion. So that was, uh, so Gus Honeybun was some sort of mascot for one of the TV regions somewhere that I went on holiday. Hmm. So Mark says, hey, Sanya and Paul, thanks for reading and replying to my email twice. Ha ha. Sorry for bringing up the R word in your conversation. I'm a bit confused. I don't know what's going on. I can't, right. I can't remember what the R word was. I don't know. Anyway, so Mark Honeybun says, I've been listening to the 1999 remaster of Afraid of Sunlight and I've included a couple of tracks from the second CD. Gaspacho. Gaspacho soup is surf cold. Thank God this isn't the same. What an opening track. My thoughts on the previous album were quite the contrast to your views, but this opener is hot, hot, hot. What a fantastic bass line. Has me playing a combination of air bass and tapping my fingers to the drums. Cannibal Surf Babe. I get a very strong Monkeys Beach Boy vibe from this one. Quirky and I love it for it. Absolutely bonkers lyrics that I love as well. I have no idea what's going on and I don't know what a perfect microwave would be. What would be your perfect microwave, Senya? Dead air, dead air. <laughs> you completely threw me with that question. It's not something I've ever thought about, Paul. What about you? One that um, you put food in and you turn it on and that food turns into money. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Although you'd never be able to heat heat any food up in the microwave. I'd get another one that was just a normal one. Ah, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful, lovely ballad showing H's vocal range, not too slow and not too fast, giving a chance for everything to breathe. Lovely guitar work. I can see it being played live as a closer with everyone swaying in time. I'm not sure it's ever been played as a closer, but interesting. Afraid of sunrise. A slower one and more ponderous. Doesn't have me as gripped as beautiful. So I'm probably an outlier on this one as it's not one of my favourites. You're not an outlier, You're Mark. Not, Lots seems. of people don't like it. Out of this world. Getting an early Bowie vibe from this. Interesting. Uh, quiet laid back one. I'm probably in the minority as it's not one I overly like. The highlight is... The highlight is the instrumental that comes out a third of the way through. Some excellent guitar work. Another that seems to have audio clips from somewhere. Unlike Tracks and Brave, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Afraid of Sunlight, slow start, ramping onto a cracking song with more fantastic drumming and some slow... and some rocking guitar in the back end to see us out. Probably my favourite. Quite right. Beyond You, I've mentioned last time how I prefer faster tracks. You can probably gather I like half of this track. <sighs> King. Another track where they've used what sounds like news clips. It really sounds like they're having so much fun rocking out on this one. It's tough, but this August Badger has to be my number two from the album. Number two? I can name a couple of Marillion songs that I consider number twos. We know. Icon. Very much another bass and drum track. Quite a simple one with some nice effects on H's vocals. I could probably do without it and I wouldn't miss it if it wasn't here. The Icon. Do you remember on the second? Yeah. Yep. Okay, Live Forever, again that. Another odd one here, not sure what to make of it. Nice jazz rhythm on the drums, which gives it a nice groove. Wouldn't mind listening to this as just an instrumental. Not sure about the organ in parts, but it would make it less quirky. Second Chance, which was the other version of Beautiful, if you mm -hmm. remember. 
what can I say other than it's just beautiful again? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not sure it, it was is. necessary for a reprise. Well, there's a story behind it, Mark, if you remember listening to our uh, Afraid of Sunlight episodes. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm really surprised by how many people aren't enjoying Afraid of Sunrise. Yeah, I kind of get it because it is... it. It's a lot slower and more subtle mm. than a lot of what's on that album. I just love the atmosphere. It, me too. And the imagery it conjures in my mind. But the one that surprises me is Cannibal Surf Bay because that too, that too. I would have, I would have betted on it being way more popular. Yeah, but, but it's really not. And um, I suppose, I suppose because I felt because it it feels like an outlier in terms of my Marillion tastes mm. as one that I like, but it doesn't fit the template of what I seem to like about Marillion. And yet, and so I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm more in tune with, you know, those who like the rockier side. And yet, no, no, I'm I'm still an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, an, mm. out, an outlier. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay, is there another letter? Yeah, there's yeah. loads more to go, yeah. Oh, but they're do. all quite short. All right. Well so, done, all of you, for writing short-ish letters. Our next letter is from Boris Studios. Boris Johnson Studios. No. Johnson Studios. No. Oh, watch out for that. <laughs> what do they do? Boris says, I'm sorry if my last letter was one of the offending long letters, so I'll keep this one brief. I should just say at this point, look, when I said about the long letters... If you're all happy with two weeks worth of post bag every time we do a post bag, long letters are fine. But some people I know prefer the post bags to be over a bit quicker. I don't mind longer letters. I'm sure some I don't mind longer, mind longer letters. letters. But if you're all okay with it, keep writing longer letters. A yes. mix of long and short. Yeah. The long and the short of it. So Boris continues. Afraid of Sunlight is a great album and is probably Marillion at its most Marillion. Talking to non-Marillion fans who are more normal, in quotes, music nerds, they go mental for this album, as it is in that Marillion era that feels very Radiohead-like. Hmm, interesting. I wouldn't necessarily agree, but okay. No? They... Hmm. Oh. They tend to have a very positive view of the album, but they think it's a little cheesy in areas since it had the radio parts. Which I didn't... I didn't know. Do people find radio snippets cheesy? Does he mean... Does he mean the radio parts or the more radio-friendly tracks? Like, Because Beautiful is... Oh, so maybe not the sound snippets. Yeah, maybe he means that. but, But yeah, Beautiful is not... I don't think Beautiful sounds anything like Radiohead and it sounds... I could see people thinking Beautiful was cheesy. Mm, yeah, I get what you mean. Yep. Um, the instrumentation on the album is bloody brilliant as the album goes between a lot of different feels. One of the most underrated riffs on the album is Cannibal Surf Babe. Yay! We have a Cannibal Surf Babe fan. Finally. It's simple yet really fun sounding. Yeah, it is fun. Mm. I think it's a fun track. It's not my favourite track, but it, it's... We described it as fun. It's fun, for sure. The album is a 9.5 out of 10, as it feels a little too 90s prog. Listen to Metrop- Metropolis Part 2 by Dream Theatre, and it has the same production feel. Oh, interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've always thought it sounded quite timeless. But, okay, I'll have to have a listen to that album. Mm. I'm not a huge Dream Theater fan, as I don't like the heavier parts. But, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There you go. But 9.5 9. out of 10 is a That's good high. score. Yeah. That is a great score. So our next letter is from Twisty. Okay, Oliver. Oh, okay, I get it. I get Oliver. it. You don't need to explain that one to me. Never before has a boy asked for more Marillion. <laughs> okay, I thought it was worth more than just a. Dis- no, I'm just- I thought I thought it was worth more than the 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 disparaging look you gave me. No, the look was like. Oh, because I was thinking, oh, I bet he's never had a nickname that's likened to Oliver Twist. How original. I never said these nicknames were original, Sanger. I just said... Yes, poor. Yeah, I just said they were all going to get nicknames. I never said that they were going to get original nicknames. All right. Fair enough, then. Brian in the USA. I want a nickname like that. Sanger in the USA. Yeah, that'll do. Okay. Hurt my throat, then. So, Oliver says, just wanted to chip in and let you know that I'm really enjoying the podcast. Oh, thanks. Discovered the saddest sarcastic, didn't mean it. Discovered it on Spotify a couple of weeks back and remember seeing you on a Barshans episode a few years back, which is a pleasant coincidence. Well, that's, it always freaks me out when Marillion and my digitizer side crossover. Yeah. Uh, Barshans was a YouTube channel that I was on, being silly. I'm a recent fan of the band, only properly getting stuck in in the last couple of years, but they have quickly and definitively become my favourites. Fingers crossed I'll be seeing them live in November. Yes, our fingers are also crossed. The only downside is that being 19, I have very little music taste in common with people my age, but that's their loss than mine. Ooh, we've got a 19-year-old listening to us. Wow. Must be like listening to your podcast about your grandparents in the war. (laughs) Um... Haven't had a chance to listen to all the episodes yet, but I loved the thorough analysis of Brave and Afraid of Sunlight. Taking that shotgun to Out of This World kind of hurt, as it's my favourite song on the sorry. album. And probably in my top five of their songs overall, though I do appreciate that it's been played to excess. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the next album, especially as it contains probably my favourite Meridian song. Let's mm. face it, it's this strange engine, isn't it, Oliver? Let's face it, it is. It is. Might not I'm, be. I'm guessing that it is. Might not it be. Is. It is. It is. It is. Definitely is. Yeah, it is. Oliver's favourite song I want is this Oliver engine. to write back in and say it's not. I, I you, want, got it, you got it wrong. I, I don't want him to write back in. I'm just expecting him to write back in going Paul was 100% correct. I mean, you probably are correct. Mm. Oliver and company could have had that as well. Mm, I've heard of them. Not sure who they are. Oh, it was a, it was a film, an animated film. Oh, was it? Cats, dogs, I don't know. All right. And now we have... Oh, no, it's not our last letter. Second last letter. From Ed F. Axel. Sorry. You can do the background music while I read the letter. Okay. This won't be annoying at all, everyone, but I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm one of the many fans who really loves this record and you've prompted me to revisit it once again, for which, many thanks. I love every track. I love the book. I love... No. I love every track. I love the book. Okay, it's distracting me. 
I would have kept going. Would you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't have gotten my sentences out. Okay, off um, we go. I love every track. I love the book ending of Gaspacho and King. Two different treatments thematically linked. I love the silliness of Cannibal Surf Babe. Wait. The sheer musical chops are a joy. I love the atmospherics of Out of This World. You're wrong about the solo. It's a cry of anguish and loss echoing across Coniston Water. It might not have the smoothness of some of Rother's work, but it's perfectly judged. I'm happy to be told I'm wrong. I'm frequently wrong. You are. Thanks. No, you're not actually. I am, um, but no, I am. opinions are just subjective. Yeah, so, yeah, know. opinions I'm are opinions. opinions. I love the building... I love the building epicness of Afraid of Sunlight in its two parts, and I love the rawness of Beyond You. The last is one of those songs that would make me cry if I'd heard it at the wrong time. Sky Above the Rain did come at one of those times, and I can't listen to it anymore. Yeah, Sky Above oh, the Rain. Oh, yeah. That's a killer. Yeah, that's a killer <laughs> yeah. of a track. In terms Don't of... listen to it if you're feeling emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. Um, now She'll Never Know is another one that I think is really... Oof. Oh, I'm not familiar oh, with that Oh, you will one be yet. soon. Um, oh, I don't love Beautiful. I find it a bit cheesy. What did I just say? Yeah, you did. Though the sentiment is sweet Always enough. Right. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, don't push it. <laughs> um, I wonder if such unabashed cheesiness is part of the reason the Marils were never cool, in quotation marks. Anyway... Any pearl has to have a bit of grit, doesn't it? Keep up the good work, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Yeah. Um, I think... I've said this before. Every Meridian album, I think... There isn't a perfect Meridian album for me. I think they've all had... I don't want to say that. I can't be bothered. I'm tired. What? Okay, then. Uh, what? Just say it. No, I don't know. I can't think. All right. Last I'm lesson. I'm struggling a bit. Yeah. Because, you know, we have to do a dump trip. Yeah, I know. It's not and the you... ideal circumstances in which to record a podcast. I feel the... Pre- and then someone's yeah, walking someone's on the ceiling upstairs. upstairs. If you hear creaking in the background... <laughs> Basically jumping up and down yeah. upstairs. If you hear creaking in the background, we're not recording this on uh, an ancient Spanish galleon. <laughs> We have a teenager wandering around upstairs. Moving furniture and Yeah, stuff. Yeah, it sounds like she's slaughtering a cow. Well, no, that's a bit grim. That's a horrible thing to say. Well, sometimes I do say horrible things. It's just who I am. And that would only be really noisy at the end when it thudded to the floor. Okay, I say so and then you take it to, to a new level of grimness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would only happen at the end, like when they they fire the spike into its brain. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Let's uh, continue. Our final letter isn't about afraid of sunlight. It is from our good friend David Beerman. Beerman likes beer. Who has uh, written in about the John Arneson interview? I don't think we had any other letters about the John Arneson. No, interview. we didn't. Right, mm. right. That was some... a great interview. Yeah, yeah thank you. I... <laughs> Thanks. Why don't you all write in telling me how great it was? It was really interesting. <laughs> I found it, it was really down to John, not me. It was down to John being so open. Yeah, I'm so glad that he was because it, it was. Um... You know, I got a little teeny tiny bit of grief when I shared that on a Fish Era Facebook group. 
Did you? A little tiny what? bit. What happened? Um, someone felt that I didn't challenge him on some of the things he said. Really? Yeah. Like, I, well, he felt they someone who felt that John's version of events was a bit revisionist, shall we say? Mm. I mean, it was a pro fish group, so okay, fair enough. Uh, ultimately, look, we all know Fish's side of the story. Mm. I've never heard John Arneson's side of the story. Mm. I'm not about to say no, you're wrong, you're lying, or anything like that to someone who a I don't know, and B, who, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not working for the New York Times mm. and Marillion isn't, you know, some story of huge public worth. <laughs> I, you know, I think as with most things, when you get two sides of a story, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Exactly. And unless all you I, were yeah, there. All I was there to do was to present John Arneson's side for the first time. You know, the reason it was a good interview was because of him, not mm. me. And I think if I had started being challenging at any point, he would have shut down mm. um, because I think he came to it well aware, I think, of, of what had been said about him over the years. And he wanted an opportunity to put his side of it. And that's all I was there to do. But yeah, it was a pro fish group. And I mean, someone else called him a name that I thought wasn't was a bit unnecessary because, again, you know, Especially, well, he's made friends with Fish again, hasn't he? So. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but he had spoken to him, as he said to me. Right. So, you know, but the rest of the band, Marillion, seem to be fine with John these mm. days. So it seems daft to kind of get, get, uh, I don't know, take sides over it when it was so long ago. Mm. It just seems but ridiculous. But I guess, I mean, if it's a full-on pro-Fish group, they're more likely to want to defend Fish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, I uh, but I thought I thought he gave some really interesting. He did. Answers. Yeah, it was. I really appreciated being able to listen to it. So uh, David Beerman, Beerman likes beer. Uh, says just wanted to send a note. Oh, okay. <laughs> just wanted to send a note to say how much I enjoyed the John Arneson interview. Thank you, Dave. Have read and listened to Fish's beefs over the years with John. It was nice to hear the other side of the story. Like with most. Oh, okay. Like oh, with most disputes, the truth of what happened is likely somewhere in the middle. Exactly. Dave. Yeah. Literally. And Sorry, that, I mean, Dave, I for guess... saying saying what you were about to say. Yeah, and I guess if people listen to it knowing that it's just his side of the story. Yeah then they can take a step back and say, okay, I've heard both parties yeah, and make their own judgment. I think it's amazing that John Arneson, frankly, kept Stum for so many years and didn't put his side, given that Fish has been quite vocal about him at times. Mm. I think that takes an enormous amount of restraint on behalf of a person, on behalf of a person. Is that right? I don't know. I think it, it takes, an, yeah. I think it takes an enormous amount of restraint. Yes, it does. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I liked him. So I, I, I genuinely really liked him. I thought he was a really nice guy, uh, and very easy to talk to. So that's it for this week. Sorry if that's been a bit uh, sloppy as usual. I know the last couple of episodes <laughs> perhaps uh, veered a bit wildly in terms of. In terms of quality, like a late 90s Marillion album. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, you can now support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash M-R-B-I-F-F-O for which we'll try and get you episodes early and we're going to try and do let's say a minimum of two bonus episodes a month. If you've joined us this month, you'll have three probably by the time you're listening to this. Because we had the big one that we did about the Meridian Christmas poll. Oh, yes, where the sound was not great. Yeah, but the sound is great on the others. Better than the main podcast. We hope the sound's good on this one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So so go support us on there. You can do it for as little as one US dollar a month. You'll get a whole load of other stuff that's nothing to do with Meridian. You can either engage with that or just ignore it. That would be my (laughs) advice. Uh, as I also mentioned at the top of the episode, I have an album coming out this week on Friday on Bandcamp, mrbiffo.bandcamp.com. Brando, you say the date. May the 7th. May the... S- oh, okay, yes. Yeah, uh, it doesn't include the title music of this podcast, though here's an exclusive for you that Sanya doesn't even know. I think I'm going to do a limited run of CDs with a second disc that has... The, the Beampod theme and some other cast off tracks on there. What actual printed C- physical yeah. CDs? Yeah, yeah, I was what? pricing it up earlier. That is a surprise. I'm finding this out right now along with everyone else. Yeah, you are. So, uh, so you can do that. You can buy a Beampod t shirt on Redbubble if you go and search for Digitizer on there. Is it Digitizer? Yes. Or Mr. Biff? Digitizer. The Digitizer, okay. And yeah, that's it. Go follow us on Twitter and Facebook so you kind of get updates about what we're up to. Next week, we're back on track with an episode about the solo albums of 1986-7-ish. So that is Ice Cream Genius by Steve Hogarth. Iris by Iris. And what's the album called? The Wishing, Wishing Tree, Tree, Carnival of Souls. Carnival of Souls. Yeah. And probably the week after, we start on this strange engine. So we're finally getting there after several delays. Yes. And massive Ooh. post bags. Yes. So have a good week, everyone. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Oh, awful. Awful.